0: Vintage. Good morning. I'm um, I'm so sorry that Laura and I can't be there in person. Uh, We tried absolutely everything we could to be back for this Sunday. Originally, actually, we planned to be back three Sundays ago. um, And then we found out that we had to go through uh, US quarantine rules. And then uh, we got hit by a hurricane as well. Um, But by the time you listen to this uh, on Sunday morning, hopefully, hopefully, prayerfully, uh, we will be just going through US immigration, boarding a plane to return via New York to LA. And uh, we're due to be back in LA tomorrow night. So um, I just wanted to say just a Massive thank you. Thank you to the team who have held the fort over the last weeks. I want to say thank you so much to Carla uh, and to Ben and to Matt and to Ali and Arlene. Thank you to the board thank you to all those who've preached over the last weeks. Uh, we're so grateful to be part of a church which which genuinely does feel like family and looks out for each other and looks after each other. And so thank you for extending us the grace of being away for an extended period. Uh, it wasn't our hope, it wasn't our dream, but uh, such is the time we live in with COVID. Um, but it's been really important for us to be able to report back, see to family, um, but also to all those prayer supporters that we have around the world who pray for us, who pray for Vintage. And it's been actually a real joy to be able to reconnect with some of them and to share the stories of all that God's been doing um, in our community. Um, As we've been away, we've we've also been really pushing in to try and ask the Lord, what what have you have for us for the future of Vintage? And uh, it's so exciting to be able to return to LA uh, over the next few days and to to come and share with you some of the, the things that we feel are on our heart about growing as a church. Not just growing internally, but also growing externally as we see people's lives transformed, as we see people come um, into the kingdom of God but today I want to I want to pick up from what Gary was talking about last week about being kingdom people about being big God people and I want to think about how we help others uh, make that step into faith in Jesus Christ and um, these last couple of weeks uh, though we've been that uh, we've actually been on a small little island uh, called Barbados in the middle of the sea um, somebody has to do that hardship um, and as we've been here, it's reminded me of the last time that we were on uh, an island like this, which was actually 11 years ago. Um, in 2010, uh, Laura was very happily pregnant with our first son, William. Uh, we realized it was kind of our last opportunity for a peaceful vacation. And so we booked a trip to Kos, which is a tiny little island uh, in Greece. And when we got there, we had this lovely uh, Uh, lovely uh, resort by the beach but also just outside of the resort we found this little place where you could hire rent uh, atvs little beach buggies to tour over the island now laura was very pregnant it was extremely hot but because she is so gracious and kind she uh, she relented and agreed to come with me for a day and so we took one of these very rickety old uh, beach buggies here's a picture of one here and we drove it all over the island. And after about four or five hours, we were so hot and we were so tired that we thought we'd better stop by a beach and pull over and just have a bit of a rest. Now, we found this idyllic, beautiful beach uh, just overlooking the sea. Now, Laura saw it and thought, this is brilliant. I can just have a rest and get out of this horrible beach buggy for a while. And I looked at the beach, looked at my beach buggy and thought, right, game on. This is an opportunity to drive my beach buggy to its full potential. Uh, Laura like, could see immediately what I was, was thinking about. She said, like, darling, I, l- I love you. I- that's not a good idea. You, you don't want to do that. I thought, well, you know, look, I am I am the man. I am the one who knows about these things. I am the expert in beach buggies due to my four hours of driving one. It's going to be fine. And so I floored the gas pedal, and we drove onto the beach. In fact, that's probably an overestimation. Uh, we we got about ten feet onto the beach before my beach buggy got completely stuck um, in the sand. Now Laura amazingly did not storm off at that moment. In fact she was so kind and so calm that she offered to get out of the beach buggy and go around the back and push to see if we could get it back onto the road. And, And so I counted to three, I hit the gas pedal, Laura pushed and then about half a ton of sand exploded out of the back of the beach buggy and completely buried her in the beach. As you can imagine, it wasn't exactly the finest moment of our married life. I had completely ignored her very wise instruction and the result had been her getting covered in sand in the beach. It took a little bit of apologising. We've had better days on vacation since, I promise. Although that's a little bit of a silly story, um, it gets us to think a little bit about what I want to talk about this morning, about how we help other people make great decisions about the importance of having other people around us who will help us to make some of the most important if not the most important decision that we ever have to make in our lives and so we're going to jump in this morning and uh, we're going to have our reading from the very gracious and has now forgiven me um, Laura Chase we're in Mark chapter 2 verses 1
1: through 12. Hi everyone um I hope you're well Really miss you and this is our reading for today Mark 2 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. He preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowering the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, "Son, your sins are forgiven." Now some teachers of the law were sitting with them and thinking to themselves, "Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive God? But, who can forgive sins but God alone?" Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, "Why are you saying these things?" Which is easier, to say to the paralysed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, he took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this.
0: And so the context is that Jesus has been travelling throughout the region of Galilee. His earthly ministry has just been starting, according to Mark. He's been travelling, and as he's travelling, people have come to know about who this Jesus person is. He has been healing, he has been casting out demons, he has been preaching about the kingdom of God, and then he's been moving on and repeating the pattern and moving on. At the beginning of Mark chapter 2 we find Jesus actually back in Capernaum which probably was his hometown or at least it would have been an area where his family had lived and he's actually probably taking some time out to have a rest he's with his family he's with his friends he's within a one or two room house but he's not safe <laughs> because where he is people clock on oh this Jesus guy this miracle worker this healer has arrived and so people start to pile into his house you get like the religious leaders the 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 civil leaders you get the friends you get the family you get the disciples maybe you even get the little boy next door in his chopper bike looking in the window they've all come to see Jesus and so they're crowded into this tiny little house and because they're so tight in there's not even room to move within it but Jesus out of his kindness starts to speak speak about the kingdom now whilst that's going on on one side of the town on the other side of the town there's another group of people there are five friends and one of the friends is paralyzed we don't know if he's had a major accident we don't know if it's something that happened to him at birth but we do know that he was crippled he could not walk in any way in that society he would have been a social outcast he would have been resigned literally to sitting by the side of the road and begging for food to eat but this guy he has four friends Four friends who have his back, four friends who care for him, four friends who will do anything they can to see his healing. And when they hear about Jesus, they analyze what they think to be the guy's greatest need and they set off to see his healing come. And i want to ask you this morning as you come to church, like, what do you consider to be your greatest need? Maybe you know, as you walked into church this morning, you know, you were carrying a heavy burden. A heavy burden for your own life or heavy burden for your own situation or maybe a heavy burden for somebody else. Some of us this morning probably come to church just desperate for physical healing like the man. Maybe for financial provision, maybe for something to do with a relationship or family matter. Maybe it's about guidance for the future decisions that you've got to make today and over the next week. Maybe it's about your career. There's so many different things that we carry on our hearts with us. As the man is carried to Jesus as he's amazingly lowered through this hole in the reef everybody including the man himself would have been pretty clear about what the man's greatest need was like surely surely Jesus he will sort this man's legs out surely you will enable him to be able to stand again to walk again because if he can do that then anything else will be possible for him but everybody would have been in agreement except for Jesus you see, because Jesus, Jesus looks at the poor man there, he recognises, he proclaims that the man has a greater need. He has a greater need than the ability to be able to physically walk. And the greater need that the man has is the same great need that everybody else in that room has. And everybody else in every other room then and evermore has. Everybody else in our room and every other room has. And that is the need for the man to be able to have his sins forgiven in verse 5 Jesus surprisingly shockingly almost almost in a way that would have like made made the Jewish leaders like angry with him says son your sins are forgiven son your sins are forgiven like what what's Jesus doing can he not see that the man just needs to get up well actually what Jesus is doing is saying no the most important thing for every human being in that room and every other room, this room, your room, my room today, is that we would have our sins forgiven. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ says this, is that we were made by a good God, a God who loved us, a God who cares for us, a God who is with us through the storms of life, but a God who is separated from us, not by his own choosing, but by, by our sin by the evil, by the brokenness, by the darkness that has entered into the world, we are separated from God's love. And that one day we will have to stand in front of a God who is holy, a God who is perfect, a God who is completely without any form of brokenness, and we will have to account for our own lives. And the Bible tells us that actually in our own state, we are in trouble if we are reliant on our own goodness in our own holiness but actually the evil the darkness the sin that has entered the world the evil that we sometimes find in our own heart actually has separated us to God to a point where actually we cannot be in relationship we cannot have our sins forgiven by our own good works that actually we need something greater that's why the Bible says that the God loved the world so much that he did the one thing the only thing that was going to work to reunite our relationship with God, to have our sins forgiven. And that was to send Jesus to die on that cross 2,000 years ago, that all the pain and all the punishment and all the sin could be dealt with if we choose to ask for our sins to be forgiven. Now, I realise to come into church on Sunday morning in 2021 and even talk about sin, it's like, it feels a bit like, oh, God, Ben, you can't talk about sin. Please don't talk about sin, talk about grace, talk about love, talk about like how amazing God is. Don't tell me, don't tell anybody else that actually I'm a sinner. Like that's not PC man, you just, you can't, you can't do that, you're judging me. And please hear me, I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to tell you what the gospel says. And I want to say to you this morning, if, if you do have come to church and, and maybe you've never given your life to follow Jesus... Then I want to just say to you this morning, why not today ask Jesus to forgive your sins? If you if you maybe don't even think you need your sins forgiving, maybe can I just ask you this? Do you ever feel condemned? Do you ever inwardly, secretly have a sense of self-loathing? Do you Do you ever feel like you're just a complete, complete failure, that actually there is a brokenness and a darkness in you? Maybe you've never even told anybody about it. Well, that is part of the sin that Jesus wants to deal with in your life today in fact he's desperate to do it he hardly even waits for the man to ask for it he just is so compassionate toward this poor man that he says he says son in your need your sins are forgiven 1 john 1 9 beautifully says this if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness today is a great day to give your life to christ to ask him to forgive your sins to ask him to come into your life to guide you to give forgive all that is past to be with you now in the present and to assure you that one day even when you die your life will go on for eternity in the presence of a good faithful god without pain and suffering oh and by the way just in case you didn't spot it in the passage Jesus does heal the man's legs. When we give our lives to Jesus, we find ourselves on a pathway to all sorts of reconciliation, all sorts of redemption, all sorts of healing that is possible in our lives when we get our primary and number one need right, a relationship with Jesus. But let me speak for a few minutes to those of us who who would call ourselves Christians. Maybe maybe you're here this morning and you've been a Christian for a very long time. I want to ask you this. Do you still believe That God is that good? Do you still believe that God is a healer? Do you still believe that God has saved you? Do you believe that your salvation, the day you gave your life to follow Jesus, was the greatest single miracle that has ever happened to you and can ever happen to you? you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that once you were in darkness, separated and cut off from God, but now you are light? That once you were dead in your sins, but now you are alive in Christ. Like, do you you believe that? And if you believe it, do you feel it? Now, I ask it not meanly, but I just ask it to reflect that, let's be honest, for many of us, the last 18 months have been hard. We live in a world increasingly which wants to tell us that Christianity is somewhere between irrelevant and actually extremely dangerous because it's judgmental and it doesn't love seemingly all different types of people. We live in a world which wants to say Christianity is maybe at best one thing among many things. It waters down Christianity to the point where actually the gospel is no longer the central focus of our lives and actually can weigh down on us. When we come off the back of a pandemic, maybe we've prayed for healings and we've not seen the healings that we want to see. Maybe we've not seen their own circumstances change. Maybe we've actually had to to live with the stress and the anxiety and the fear of the last year. And, And if we're honest, that maybe has taken a toll on our hearts. Maybe when you think of God, you don't immediately spring up with joy and love. Maybe your heart, if you're really honest, this morning has gone just a little bit cold. Do we remember how good God is? Because it's easy to forget, isn't it? The world, the enemy, the devil can rob us of that sense of introduce, uh, a sense of joy and importance of who he is. You know, I've been a Christian for 25 years and I can tell you at times my heart has been overwhelmed and at times actually faith has been more costly. Faith has been more of a choice than an emotion. Jesus says, though I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life. He is more than a nice idea. He is more than one philosophy among many. Philosophy is he he is not judgmental. He is not unkind. He is not judgmental and trying to to, to be exclusive towards certain types of people. He is welcoming and loving to all through the blood of his son, through the filling of the Holy Spirit. That is an amazing, profound thing. And I want to remind you of that this morning because that will lead us so much onto what we need to say next, is that if you want to be part of God's kingdom story, if you want to join in with what God's in the world, then actually it starts with actually understanding how much God has done for us first. That your faith in Jesus is the very life that you lead. Gary so beautifully last week reminded us that we need to be big godders. People who have a big view of a big god, a god who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I want to ask you this morning, Ken, have you got, have you got that view of a god who can do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine? And if, if this morning you do come feeling a little cold, then I, I just want to encourage you and bless you and welcome you. And I want to I say to you this, is that here at Vintage Week we have this value, which is to have intimacy with God. And what it means is that actually we want to create space and time in our life together as church and as individuals to encounter the presence of God. We recognise that amazingly by God's grace as we come and we sing as we come and we pray, as we come and we enter into the presence of God, then amazingly, actually, God often has things he wants to do. Actually, he has things that he wants to open up. It's almost like when we move ourselves close to God, it's like when you move yourself a little bit closer to a heat source, what happens is that you start to warm up. That as we come close to Jesus in worship, as we lift our hands, as we bow down on our knees, as we open up our lives, that actually we find that God opens up our eyes to see who he really is. And so I want to encourage you in our time of worship in just a few minutes time that you would open up your heart again to Jesus. Allow his life and his love to flood through your being to remind you of who he really is. And and not even just on Sunday mornings, but in your quiet times as you read the word of God, as you sit in his presence, that you would be reminded again of the goodness, of the mercy of the miracle of salvation that God has poured out in your life. But what does it mean for us to play a part in the story that we've just read? Maybe you do feel like the guy who's just come in through the roof, who's desperate in need of healing. But maybe for a lot of us, particularly those of us who've been a Christian for a while, maybe in fact the place that we find ourselves is actually in the the place of the four friends. See, Jesus, in his very last conversation that's recorded on earth before he returns, says these astonishing words in Matthew twenty eight eighteen to 20. You might know them if you've got them in your Bible, then you can turn to them. They say this. Then Jesus came to them. That's his friends, his disciples, those who would given their life to him and said this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything i've commanded and surely i'm with you always the very end of this age do you notice in that passage there is a very command for who we are to be those of us who are followers of jesus do you know what it said there's two words in there one is to go like that physical action of doing something of not staying where we are of not being passive but being active and what is the going that jesus talks about it is to make disciples i mean isn't that daunting Have you ever tried to make a disciple on your own? Have you ever tried to convince somebody that they can follow Jesus on your own? Well, actually, it is impossible on your own. That's why Jesus says all authority has been given to me. And I therefore give the authority to you that it's not in your power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. What God wants to use your life for is to bring others into relationship with him. To bring others who need him, who are hurting, who are broken, who need their sins forgiven, and to bring them to Jesus. You are to be the friend to the friend. And so I wanted to ask you again, like this morning, like who are those people around you? Who, you? who you need to bring to Jesus, who are waiting for the invitation, who need to know their sins are forgiven. How do we even do that? Well, the first thing is I, I want to suggest we do need that revelation of who God is. You can't leave. You can't leave a review for a restaurant that you feel pretty mediocre about. In fact, nobody ever does that. Yeah, we've been on this journey. We've covered many thousands of miles over the last uh, four or five weeks. That um, we've, we've been through some good experiences and some, some harder ones and some opportunities to leave some reviews. And, and if you're like me, right, you, when you leave a review in a restaurant, you only leave two types of reviews. Right? You, you, you only bother to leave a review for something that is either what? Really fantastic and you want everyone to know about it or absolutely terrible and you don't want anybody else to ever go there. Right, those are the reviews that we live. The same is true in our Christian life. If we want to bring others to Jesus, we have to know first of all that Jesus is a five-star rating in our lives. And when he's a five-star rating in our lives, then actually the heart we should have will be to want to bring others to Jesus. So number one, we, we've got to we've got to want to love. We've got to want Jesus because we love him. Number two is actually we need to know some people who really need to know Jesus, right? I mean I, I ask that because as a pastor let me tell you something I spend most of my life with Christian people most of the people I spend my life with are people who have already had their sins forgiven but I wonder about you some of some of us too we've, we've grown up through such Christian community maybe you don't have that many friends who need to know Jesus I want to ask you like who who are those people though where are those people who who Jesus might want to invite you to know him and um, Laura and I we used to um, we used to do a lot of work with university students, people going off to college 18. And we would invite them around to our house and we'd cook them this big meal, like the last proper meal they'd eat for many months. And we'd, we'd say to them, hey guys, let's just tell you a little bit about what it's going to be like on campus. And we'd say, hey, if you love Jesus, we believe that God has plans for your life that you would impact your campus for him. And we'd say, that in order for that to be true, two things are going to have to be placed in place in your life. The first thing that's going to have to be in place in your life is that you are going to have to be surrounded by great Christian friends. You're going to need them because you're going to be in a hostile environment. If you haven't got a support network of people who are loving you and praying for you and keeping you going in the right direction, actually, you're going to be in, in trouble. And so we used to say to them, get stuck into a church, get stuck into a Christian organization, get go in deep, make sure that you're accountable to those people. But then the second thing we said is this, is that that, that will not be enough, though, to impact your, king, the, your, your campus for Jesus. Because what you're also going to need is this. You're also going to need some friends who don't know Jesus. See, so you, you might be on fire for Jesus, but if you don't know anybody who's not a Christian, if you're not doing anything that actually portrays the love of Jesus to people who need to hear it, then actually that's not going to do anything. And we used to say that because for Laura and I, when we got through the first couple of years of our, of our university college life, we realized that we were so surrounded by Christians that we weren't having any impact on anybody except for ourselves. We were going super deep. We were having amazing spiritual experiences. But we weren't impacting our campus for Jesus. We were in a holy huddle in the corner. And so we both decided to do things to, to go deeper, to be intentional, to spend time to ask the Holy Spirit, Hey, Holy Spirit, who are the people out here who are hurting and lonely and lost and need their sins forgiven that we can actually love? And so number one, we've got to actually have our hearts filled with love of Jesus. Number two is we've got to have our eyes open to see who Jesus might be, might be inviting us to be. in, And that's a prayer conversation, right? That's a prayer conversation. It's not about crusading around your local area, just shouting, the, shouting Jesus. Actually, it comes from prayer and love. You know, we we have to pray for the people who are around us. You need Jesus. You know, the family member that you have who walked away from the church a long time ago. The colleague who you, you sit next to or you zoom up with. We, we've got to pray for those people because actually before you can talk to your friends about Jesus, you've got to talk to Jesus about your friends. And as you do it that way around, what you find is that actually you develop a love for those people. That the way we share our hearts with others is not because we ought to, not because we have a quota to fill, but it's actually because we have God's love for others flowing through our hearts. I just love these four guys in this story. Just look at the way that they love their friends. They take someone who is crippled, who is broken, who is an outcast, who other people had probably rejected and they go through the perseverance you see if you don't even know who to ask Jesus about like who is the person that I can spend well let me suggest that you might want to start exactly where these friends start exactly where Jesus always starts which is to start with the lonely to start with the hurting it's to start with the poor and the lost and the least not because the rest aren't important because actually those are the people who recognize that they need something who are hurting, who are looking for something already often that's where the gospel starts first as it starts with those people who are right on the outcast of society Who might the holy spirit be inviting to do but look at the perseverance right you know these friends don't just die. it's not a one-hit thing right have you ever tried to pick up a guy on a mat i mean that's pretty hard have you ever tried to walk across town with a guy on a stretcher that's pretty hard Have you ever tried to get into a room which is completely full of people? That's pretty hard. Have you ever climbed up some stairs with a man on a mat? That's pretty hard. Have you ever made a hole in the roof? That's pretty hard. Have you ever lowered down the man onto the floor into a crowded room of people? That is pretty ballsy, right? I don't know at what point I might have said, that's just too hard. It just isn't working. I'll come back another day. But what Jesus says of these friends is actually, it's your faith that matters it's your faith which is involved in the salvation story amazingly he doesn't say of the man hey crippled dude your faith is healed you know actually he says the faith of your friends has impacted this story that's why i look at the faith of your friends and i'm so impressed and so what does it mean for us to have faith to have love to pray for the people around us and so as i close i just want to invite you this morning to two things I firstly want to invite you, if if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you have never had your sins forgiven, then I want to invite you this morning to give your life to him. And I'm going to pray in a moment and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And all you actually have to do is just echo the prayer out loud or in your heart. That's what it means to follow Jesus and to become a Christian. But I also uh, will leave a little bit of space after that for those of us who are Christians, to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit, to ask him, that he would give us his heart for some people around us, some people who he might want to use us to bring to him, maybe to bring along in future to a church service, to a community group, or maybe even more still to bring along to the Alpha Course, which will be starting up again in September. But it starts with God's love flowing through our hearts. So if you will, would you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we, we love you. And in fact, Lord, I want to start and just pray for those who, who maybe even this morning, we're not even quite sure if we love you. But we want to love you. We want our hearts to be filled with love for you again or for the first time. And so if this morning you would like to give your life to Jesus, if you would like your sins to be forgiven. If you would like to know what it means to have a relationship with the creator of the universe now. And if you'd like to know that your eternity is secure in heaven. Then you can pray this prayer with me. Father God, I recognize that I have sinned. That I fall short of your standards on my own, that I cannot save or heal myself. I recognise that you love me and today I want you to forgive my sins. Today I want you to come into my heart. Today I want to be with you and I want my life to be led by you now and forever come into my life lord jesus amen now if you if you prayed that prayer this morning then i want to tell you something amazing is that there's going to be a party in heaven today because it says in the bible that when one person repents then actually the angels god everyone parties because somebody came home into the kingdom but let's also just take a moment just to pray pray for those people around us pray that god would open our hearts So let's just stay in silence for a moment as we ask the Holy Spirit just to open up our hearts to see, to hear, maybe just even to hear a name of somebody who God wants to use us to bring into the kingdom. Come Holy Spirit.